You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and it is time to talk about Mad Max Fury Road, time to talk about DC Comics on television, and Mark Marin. If you've not listened to the Needless Things Podcast before, know that we are available on iTunes, on Stitcher. You can stream it from the home site, needlessthingssite.com, where we also feature posts five days a week from a talented cast of writers observing on toys, movies, music, pop culture, all manner of dorkery. And you can also find us at esopodcast.com, because we are part of the ESO Network. Okay, let's get into it now, because I think I've got kind of a long intro and my special guest today, Mike Gordon, every time I talk to him, we have a great conversation and we have plenty to talk about. So it's, it's a uh, slightly longer episode, which I hope you'll enjoy. First of all, I'm sad. I'm sad because my Zoom died. That's right. I've had a Microsoft Zoom. It's the only MP3 player, aside from my phones, that I've had. I bought it 10 years ago. Not 10 years ago to the month. Uh, it was probably uh, right around Labor Day weekend of 2005 when I bought it. I got it because I am not an, a fan of the way iTunes does stuff, which is a whole other, or not iTunes, Apple. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, that's a whole other podcast, though. Uh, the point is, I bought a Zune. I've thoroughly enjoyed my Zune for the past 10 years, although uh, my music collection. Well, really, it was too big from the beginning, but I was okay leaving certain things out. But over the years, in the last 10 years, uh, I had a 30-gigabyte Zune and and far, far outgrew that. So the other night, I pulled the trigger and ordered another MP3 player, uh, Fio, I I think it is. I don't have it here with me because it just arrived yesterday. I haven't done anything with it yet because I've been at work all night. But I had to get... I, I need a separate... Thing. I can't use my phone, and my phone doesn't have enough space. This FIO thing I got, is it doesn't even have onboard memory, and you buy a memory card, uh, and I got a 128-gigabyte memory card, so that I should be good to go. And it's got great reviews on Amazon, and it's not bot reviews. It's all like I went through and parsed them down, and, and it's real people giving it great reviews. So hopefully this thing will work out and be a fine replacement for my Zune. I'll keep you informed because I'm sure you're all on the edge of your seats uh, to know about my personal listening habits. Uh, Speaking of personal listening habits, the new Faith No More album, Sol Invictus, uh, came out this past Tuesday. Uh, Perhaps Monday there was some confusion 
I didn't get it until Tuesday because I had pre-ordered a bundle because I am a Faith No More freak. They're my favorite band on the planet. And we will be doing a podcast about them next week, as a matter of fact. Uh, it won't be next week's episode. I've got something very special planned for that. But the week after that, I'm going to have some new folks on the show to talk about Saul Invictus. And uh, it, it needs to be that long because I've listened to it a few times now. And it's it's growing and taking root in my brain. And it's, it's interesting. It, it's not... Uh, well, we'll talk about it then. Now it's time to talk about Mark Maron. It's topic number three in three minutes. I'm moving right along. At this rate, uh, the intro will only be about half an hour. Mark Marin is a hero to me, as many of you know, uh, as is apparent sometimes, possibly from the way that I talk, possibly from the format of the show, but he has been a hero of mine since my high school years, and I've never gotten to see him live. I got to see him live this past Saturday at the Variety Playhouse in Atlanta, Georgia. I was extremely nervous because Marin, uh, like most comics, does meet and greets after the show. I really wanted to get a picture with the guy, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but let me go ahead and, at the beginning here and say it was an incredible experience. It was all wonderful. Everything's super. So the wife and I went down there, and we got to eat at the wonderful Corner Tavern which burned down and was rebuilt and recently reopened and it's still very good i recommend it if you're in the little five points area so we went and ate there and then we went over to the variety playhouse it was nice kind of just walking around because little five points was a dingy horrible scum hole when i was in you know high school and and after that a place that personally i was never comfortable walking around and you know call me a big pussy or whatever you want I I am not a fan of crazy people, homeless people, filthy, stinky. Uh, I, I just, I, I'm not into that. That's not, you know, I know some people embrace that lifestyle. Some people think that's cool. And, and great. That's super for you. If that's your choice, then, then go for it. I'm not down with that. I don't like it. I don't like being in Stabville. But now it's not like that. It's all gentrified and stuff, which, by the way, Marin did a hilarious bit about gentrification uh, that I, I didn't pick up that he knew that's where he was, but Mrs. Troublemaker tells me he made an allusion uh, to, to being aware that he was in a, a neighborhood that fit that description. So good stuff. Uh, so anyway, we get to the Variety Playhouse, and Marin's opening act I am not going to comment on because she's very young and she gets up on stage and she's got years ahead of her to learn her trade. So there's, there's nothing constructive to be said there. Marin came on and right out of the gate, what the, he has that charisma. He has it because as soon as he took the stage, everybody in the place was fixed on him. He's got a raw power to his presentation that, that in a strange way is very similar to Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins, because I've seen, I've seen a number of comedians, and there are plenty of guys that are funny, there are plenty of guys that are, that are entertaining, but there are only a few that are engaging, at least to me, on a visceral level like that. And uh, Henry Rollins is, is the most electrifying live speaker I've ever seen, and Mark Maron is right up there with Rollins. And, and I only say, I, I only 
single Rollins out because I saw him a couple of times and, and he was on fire both times. Mary and I have just seen the once. And honestly, I'm still, that's still sitting with me. And I mean that in a good way because I'm still going over his act in my head. I'm still thinking about the, the stories he told. I don't like to say jokes because there weren't a lot of jokes. It was, it was hilarious, but it's storytelling, which is different. But he came out and his first bit was about the fact that he had just gotten in a rear end collision. So here's the deal. And I I don't want to do his bit because I'm sure he'll refine it over the coming months and, and retell it again and again, because it was hilarious bit that he wrote. All right, here's the thing. He did get in an accident. That is a fact. He rear-ended somebody, probably because he was looking at his phone. That is a fact. This was 20 minutes before the show. That's a fact, because the show started late. Uh, He was just getting there with his posters and stuff. Uh, He was clearly shaken and yet totally possessed of himself, if you know what I mean. And he gets up on stage, and he's telling the story of the wreck, and he's got jokes. He's already built a bit out of this thing that just happened to him you know, less than an hour before. And it's incredible. And I feel privileged that we got to see it. And uh, obviously I feel bad that that happened to him. Cause even though he seemed fine, nobody was hurt. It was a, you know, it was a, a rear end collision at low speed, but still any, any car accidents, a pain in the dick, you don't want to deal with that stuff. So I, I feel horrible that it happened to him, but at the same time, what, what a privilege and an honor to have witnessed that that little piece of comic history that nobody else is going to see in that same way because it happened that night he experienced it it was fresh it was raw it was truly amazing and then he went on and did the rest of his full set uh i think he was up there for about two hours and it was just fantastic everything he did landed uh some of the bits i'd heard before and they were still hilarious uh you know if you listen to his podcast he kind of runs through material a little bit on there I'd heard the ice cream bit before, but seeing it in person, one, it's a little bit different. And two, just being in the room with the guy is just powerful. So Mrs. Troublemaker and I both had a great time. Uh, She wasn't sure if she would because she's been a little under the weather lately, but she's coming out of it now. But she was still, you know, not feeling great, but we were so excited to have a sitter for the whole night and to be able to just enjoy each other's company, uh, that, you know, we went for it and she, you know, we're both very glad that, uh, we did. And then after the show, Marin immediately, all right, here's, here's my life. Here is a little parable of the life of Phantom Troublemaker. So at the end of his set, Marin thanks us. Uh, he says, and I, I'm going to be signing posters, I guess, right over here in this area. So hang out, come talk to me. Uh, thanks, you guys. Very nice. And so immediately before he even leaves the stage, I get up and I go down to where he pointed at because I'm not fucking around. I'm not, I'm not going to miss out on the poster. It's a gorgeous poster. If you want to see the poster, uh, you can go check out my Instagram. That's Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram. Or you can go to needlessthingssite.com and look at the May 22nd post uh, for this podcast. And that I'll have a picture of the poster up with this post. It's gorgeous. He's doing these limited edition silkscreen prints in every city that he goes to. So this is an Atlanta Variety Playhouse print, and it's gorgeous, and I wasn't going to miss out on it. So I went down there, 
and Marin comes out, there's no table, he's got to get the posters, you know, he's still, he, even though he just did two, a fucking hilarious two hours, he's still shaking, he was in a car wreck, he still hasn't heard, he doesn't know what's going on, I, I, I got so much respect for this guy sticking it out, I, I mean, think about it, he could have easily said, you guys, look, I, I, I'm too shaken up, I can't deal with the thing tonight, I'm sorry, you know, but he stuck it out, but he did come down and say, no pictures, it takes too long, which I, again, I was really disappointed because I wanted to get a picture with the guy, but I understand if every person in that line and a good percentage of the audience stayed, uh, if every person in that line had wanted to get a picture with Marin, it would have taken three times as long. Uh, so I, I get it. I'm not too disappointed, but it means I don't have any pictures of Marin because I didn't take any during the show because I figured afterwards I'd, you know, get the, the picture with him, but what, whatever, it's fine. So I'm down there uh, waiting. He comes out. They get the table. They start setting up just behind where we are, where there's this other line of people who were after me. But now, all of a sudden, that's the front of the line. And one of the security guys at the Variety Playhouse turns around to me and says, Hey, the line's up there. You're going to have to go back to the end, up through the lobby. And I said, You're kidding me. I got here first. This is where he said to go. I'm at the front of the line. And he was like, no, you're not. The front of the line's right there. You need to go back. Uh, I was furious. And and that right there... Oh, and I went to the back of the line because I'm not going to miss this. I'm not, I'm not going to get pissy and stomp off and rob myself of the opportunity to meet my hero. Uh, even though at that point I was getting a little nervous because it, it started to occur to me, you know, they say never meet your heroes. And it's starting to occur to me, like, gosh, this is not the best opportunity to meet him. He's, he's been through some shit today. And, you know, I, I don't know what if I say the wrong thing and somehow trigger a negative reaction in him that's not really his fault, but it's me being, you know, dumb. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't want ugly Mark Marin. I don't, I don't want that to be my memory. So I'm a little nervous, man. I was already a little nervous because I think so much of the guy, but... But I, I was I was nervous, but I decided fuck it. We're staying in the line. We're doing this. Uh, whatever happened, you know, I'll just try and keep my mouth shut and uh, just hand him. I, I wrote the guy a letter, uh, letting him know the influence he's had on me, how much I appreciate him, because I, I would want that. If 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 any of you guys are listening and you like me, which presumably you do, or you find me to be. Uh, you know, whatever, don't ever be afraid to come up and talk to me. And I do my best, you know, everybody has bad days, but you know, come, come talk to me, come say hi, tell me you like me, tell me you don't, tell me what I can do differently with the show, offer help, uh, whatever. But, but anyway, we stood in the line, we're right in the line. We were afraid they're going to run out of posters. They didn't run out of posters. We talked to a bunch of people in line. I met this wonderful couple who've been listening to Marin since his Air America days. And I got to fill them in on some of his early comedy and some others. Like, we met a bunch of really cool people at the show. It was this weird thing where I wasn't as insular as I normally am. And I was talking to people. And we talked to all kinds of cool people down there. I met uh, this great guy, Jay, from High Point Graphics who had made these custom posters for Marin for the show. Uh, it's, it's a tribute to the Black Sabbath Volume 4 album, and I'll have that up on the site as well, needlessthingssite.com. Check out May 22nd. 
and you can see that awesome poster. He gave me one of those prints, and I was going to give him a few bucks, and he was like, no, 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 take it, man, take it. So that's really cool. I got that. I met that guy. And then I met Marin, and I didn't geek up like I did with Bruce Campbell. Uh, I, I, I told him, I said, man, I really appreciate you and everything I do. You're an inspiration to me. Uh, I got a little gooey. I, I definitely said more than I should have. And then I said, uh, Hey, uh, I, I've, I've got a, a letter for you. It's, it's here. It's a little unwieldy, but you know, and he looked at me and the guy's got the most sincere eyes he looked at me and he said, hey, man, I like letters. And that just, it, I'm going to be honest, it melted my heart. Uh, just the way that he said it, he was so sincere and earnest and, and conscious, I think, of what I was going through. And I, I don't want to, I've listened to his show. I know what the guy's like to a certain extent. And I, I think he is, you know, he's very sensitive to that sort of thing. Uh, so anyway, he took it, he put it in his shirt pocket. I'm not expecting to ever hear anything. I, I also said, hey, come on my show, which is obviously absurd. That's never going to happen, and I understand that. Uh, I don't expect to hear anything. What's important to me is I got the letter to him, and I told him nice things. Like, that's that's what I wanted to do. Because everybody likes to hear nice things. And I, and I, try, I try really hard to be a nice things guy as much as I can. And uh, I don't always succeed because sometimes there just aren't nice things to say. And, and sometimes instead of keeping my mouth shut, I say the not nice things. But for the most part, I want to make people feel nice. Uh, so anyway, I handed him the letter and then, I, and then I closed. I said, man, and let me just tell you, the set was fucking hilarious. And you were a brave man to do that set in the South because he did some religion stuff. He, he did a few things that, that are iffy. And he said, ah, oh, really? You think so? Yeah. I hope I'm not going to get my ass kicked now. And I was like, ah, no. And as I walked by one of the security guys, not the guy that made me go to the end of the line, another guy that had been cool all night, he said, no, he's right. And then we got a little laugh, and and then that was it. Uh, We left. We had a nice drive home, just talking. Neither one of us was drunk. Uh, Just just had a really nice time with my lady, watching one of my heroes. It, It was... It was a great, great night, and, and uh, thank, thank you to Mark Marin, and thank you to everybody that was at the show that was cool. Uh, it was really just a great time. Uh, now, I've gone on for far too long, so this week I'm going to refrain from a musical treat for you guys. We'll be back with a musical treat next week, uh, but for now, we're just going to go straight into me and Mike Gordon of the ESO Network and of Tiki Zombie and of New Legend Productions, and we're going to talk about a lot of nerd stuff, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I will be back afterward with a few more words. Yeah, I got Divergence, but and I didn't know, but apparently there's a big Batman spoiler in Divergence, which I know what the spoiler is now, but I was like, wow, they gave that away in the freebie, huh? Is it the, it's so hard to discuss spoilers, but sometimes even saying what the spoiler pertains to right. spoils a thing. Yeah, so you can't what... even like hedge around it. No. That's why I usually, you know, when it comes to, like, for example, I mean, Bobby and I, like, work together. And, and, and so, like, if one of us is not caught up on a show, 
you know, I'll be like, so did you watch Flash last night? And he'll be like, nope. And I'm like, so did you watch? <laughs> like, I won't even, you know, yeah, you know, it, it, like, and then I just, you know, and I go, uh, you know, I will say like, okay, so um, if you have any questions, uh, I will answer them as best as I can, but otherwise we'll just move on. Right, so. right. It, well, and that's the other thing is, is what constitutes a spoiler is different from person to person. Sometimes if you know, like, what, just what someone's thinking, like, oh, did you like it? Yeah, I loved it. And you're like, okay, that kind of yeah. is yeah, <laughs> yeah, enough. That can, that can give things away. Because yeah, there, there have been times where, because, you know, with my work schedule, I watch stuff on the DVR usually. Like, I, I am very rarely watching stuff real time. Uh, did you, by the way, speaking of which, did you watch Flash? I did. Okay. Uh, so we're probably somewhere in the last minute or so. I'm going to start the actual episode because <laughs> I think the spoiler talking. Sure. So I will warn our listeners, we're going to discuss the May 19th season finale of The Flash. So if you've not watched it yet and you don't want to spoil, do you, uh, fast forward maybe 10 minutes. Don't, don't turn it off, but just fast forward for a few minutes. Um, yeah, I was I was really surprised that they ended it that way. <laughs> it was a cliffhanger. <laughs> I but, uh, you know, I was I was kind of I don't know. I I get it, you know, that uh seasons can end on cliffhangers, but um, you know, it's so frustrating when they do because you're like, "Ah, but in a way, if you didn't care, then you would, you shouldn't show really." So. Right. Right. And that's uh I I was surprised, but the thing is, it was a cliffhanger, but it felt like it almost felt like the beginning of a new thing because they wrapped up Eobard Thawne. Yes, they did. <laughs> Quite much more so than I thought they would. It's one of those, oh, silly paradox things. Because, right. yeah, we did already say spoilers. So, look, if if the, the reverse flashes great, 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 whatever, grandfather, grandfather squared, cubed, whatever, um, shoots himself. And I'm like, okay, so that means nothing that this guy should have done, like, should have happened. Right. Not just, ooh, I'm going to disappear right at this moment. Um, so, you know, but obviously, you know, it's fiction, so they have their own rules on how this works. So I guess as long as they stick with those rules, I'll be okay. But it's just one of those that, it, personally for me, it's kind of like, well, eh, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And it ruins, like, you know, not ruins, but it, it kind of, I love the reverse character, the reverse Flash character, and I love Tom Cavanaugh on that show. Yes. I am going to miss him tremendously. Well, are you? Well, because... I had thought that it would, was going to be a really, like, one idea that I had that I thought would be really cool. Um, and if they were going to do it, they should have done it uh, last night, but uh, or tonight, um, is if... So Barry didn't save his mom. So what if Barry had saved Wells? Well, no, but that's the thing is Eobard didn't exist, so Wells was never murdered. Well, theoretically, then nothing he did happened. Well, and I wonder if this wormhole that Barry's going to stop at the very end is a result of there being too much fallout from... Eobard Thawne's absence, or the Thawne family's absence, or whatever. Like, they really just screwed the pooch. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I, I don't know that it's a timeline reset, because really that's what should have happened, is 
all of that should have gone away. And I think time was like, oh, shit, can't handle that one. And now there's just a big hole in reality. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, you keep punching at a wall and pretty soon the wall is going to buckle. Right. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, w- in, in my perfect flash, uh, I would have had, you know, something happen. Whereas, you know, he, he had stopped the reverse flash and stopped him, uh, not maybe saved his mother. Cause he, obviously that's a big moment. And you right. Gotta, right. Gotta have that in the flash's origin. Um, but that he had saved Wells. So that then Wells is still around, and then you know he can still be. Although, if you're Tom Cavanaugh, do you really want to go and play like the one note Wells? You're <laughs> right, <laughs> the good guy Wells, because yeah. he just had so much fun chewing up scenery and being the bad guy. But there are all kinds of possibilities there too, because you know, similar to how Cisco retained memories of his alternate timeline, which granted we now know that's related to a power. Uh, but you know, who's to say? if Wells did survive, that somehow in this wacky comic book reality, there isn't thing of the evil fawn left in him. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's open the door for, you know, obviously multiple universes, multiple timelines, Jay Garrick's hat. Absolutely. Which Um, could have been, I mean, they don't do stuff on this show without a reason. Who's to say, that we're gonna we're not gonna find out next season that Jay Garrick is the reason that everything didn't go like he's he's involved somewhere because that hat flew through through that wormhole for a reason so Jay Garrick's up to something so that I mean that's probably going to play into our timeline narrative as well I I, I agree um, and I'm very surprised that at the end of the Flash they didn't air. Uh, a preview of uh, Legends of the um, Legends of Tomorrow, yeah, Legends of Tomorrow, because I'm wondering if they're going to factor into the premiere of the Flash. Right. I mean, it's we mentioned, you know, we heard Rip Hunter's name mentioned. Uh, the uh, Time Sphere is introduced. Um, there's a big, you know, issue with a, a time space time anomaly. Well, and I'm kind of thinking of, this would be a good time for Rip and Company to kind of show up. And it was part of Barry when he was uh, seeing his timeline. That yes, that scene was in the timeline as well. Uh, and here's another thing to consider: is that these are all connected universes. This is something Mrs. Troublemaker brought up: is did Barry just screw up the timeline, and that's how they're going to reset Arrow next season? <laughs> Does Arrow need to be reset next season? What's she saying? Well, you know, Ollie and Felicity had a, a happy ending. And well, that, that doesn't seem okay. No. But you know how that goes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, oh, Ollie, we need you. You know, and then we get the scene between, you know, Ollie and Felicity and Felicity saying something uh, to the effect of, you know, oh, Ollie, like, this is who you're meant to be. You can't deny it. You know, we tried, but who are we fooling? Our, you know, blah, blah, blah. But so they've, they've... The city needs you. But they've done that thing with them so many times. We're together. No, we can't be together. But we're together. No, we can't be together. So but that's what it is, man. That's, I, that's the nature of it. Uh, yeah, it is. If you watch, watch Supernatural, and you'll see that every fucking season. <laughs> <That's>... Uh <laughs> Um. I, I don't know. I think it would be interesting to have even time it so that Flash premieres, or, or maybe Arrow, no, Arrow would premiere first, and everything's different. And you're like, what the heck is this? 
why is this happening? Why is Ali, you know, doing whatever is completely different from what we thought would happen? And then at the end of the episode, you know, Flash or maybe Jay Garrick or, or somebody or Rip Hunter shows up and is like, Marty, there's a problem with your kids. <laughs> I was kind of wondering if the Flash would be would end like that. I thought maybe Barry saves his mom. And then, you know, yay, comes back to the, the present and everything is completely different in a yeah. way that is is not uh, cool. And then it ends. And that it's is, like good to be back, you know, next year. And I was like going, that would have been something to see. That is 100% what I was expecting. Uh, and to the point where I had to remind myself... Well, they've established these these characters in these roles, so they're not going to change things permanently too drastically. Because my original thought would was, how crazy would it be if it's just totally different next season? Yeah, like if they really pulled the trigger to to show, you know, maybe he even ends up on Earth too. You know, they they could have done some crazy stuff. That would have been too much. It wouldn't have been a good idea. No, but it it's, it's the sort of thing you kind of get nerdy about. You're like, yeah. oh, that would be neat. But then when you think about it, you're like, no, that would be terrible. <laughs> it's it's the kind of thing that you hope would show up in in a uh, flash, you know, comic book. Right, right. But it would not be good for mass market television. Show. No, and it wouldn't be good for sustaining. I mean, if the, if the show the show's got to have some consistency right, to it, right? Else you, yeah, you can't. If you're not invested in it, then you sort of lose interest and go, okay, whatever. So Flash was wacky, crazy. Uh, and I dig it though. I mean, I oh, have yeah. to commend them. I mean, this is their first season. Their first season. I can't. I'm struggling to remember a time when a show came right out of the gate season one and just nailed it like this show has um i felt that there were no clunkers throughout the entire run of the first season um i i love everybody in the cast i think uh there's um you know a few people that a few characters that could use a little bit of work but otherwise i mean outstanding a fun fun cast to be you get you just get the feeling that it's a a fun atmosphere behind the scenes yes and and that comes through in the show. Um, it's it yeah. It's linked to Arrow, but it's a totally different show. It's a totally different feel, which is what it should be. It's really good. It's really fun. And uh, you know, for the first time, I'm I'm a Flash fan. I mean, I've been reading Flash comics on and off for I don't know thirty years or whatever. But um, and I don't hate him as a character, but I never felt compelled to follow him monthly. And and this show is proving to me like, hey, this is a cool character that I want to watch every week. Yeah, and and just as much uh, that that rests just as much on Grant Gustin's shoulders as it does the creators, because that guy is just charming and wonderful and energetic. Like you you can't act the way that he acts. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yes. He, he's he's just com- a compelling presence to watch. Like you want to root for him. Which yes. I which I feel like it's interesting because I, I like you I was never particularly interested in Flash, but I think for the people that do love Flash, it is something about Barry Allen that they find compelling. It's it's not you know his power isn't it? It's Barry, and and I think whatever that quality is, Grant Gustin has taken it and and kind of multiplied it and made it accessible to everyone. 
Yeah, I like to think so. And his power is cool too. So yeah, it's a cool power, and he's and got it's... a cool rogue. He's got a cool bunch of rogues, so that helps. Yeah, uh, I mean, have fun with, and that's exactly what they're doing. So to get back to the nature of spoilers a little bit, it it is hard to talk about anything online at all because I mean personally. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody because I know I, you know, I watch TV or, or whatever movies, everything to, to escape. And I love the surprises. That's an integral part of the narrative experience to me is, is, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a surprise, but developments just, I like watching stories unfold. And when it's something that I'm invested in, when it's, uh, 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 sustainable, thing episodic television whatever you whatever you know that's an element of the storytelling and it bums me out when i do know something beforehand that i maybe wouldn't have preferred to know and some people don't take that into account some people are are maybe a little too crazy about it like if you talk about what happened in a movie a month after it comes out i think that's fair (laughs) you can't really get upset about that but uh you know television give it a few days you know don't don't put up pictures of you know major characters deaths online a minute after the show goes off the air i think yeah, that's not a minute shitty. i think i think like a day or so is still you know for that fair game because if it's big enough you know it, it's going it, to it's going to permeate into the pop culture well, don't so pop you it, can't miss it don't pop it up on facebook or instagram if you're writing a review online or something then people have the opportunity to avoid reading whatever it is you've put up. But if, you know, if you're going on Facebook and throwing a picture up that that is going to pop up in people's feeds, I think that's shitty. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, you know, and usually I find that that spoilers or information prior to watching, reading something, experiencing something usually comes with some sort of agenda. Um if you're talking about a movie trailer or a TV trailer, a lot of times those might misrepresent uh, because very often, very, very, uh, not very often are do the creators of such work actually are involved in the making of trailers and releasing Correct. of trailers. Yes. So they have no idea and no input. Some, some, some do, but so usually if you see a trailer, it's because the studio and the marketing people are, have decided this is what we want you to think or this is what we think will bring you into the theater and pay for our product and not necessarily what is really representing what's going to happen sure so, well and they're not they're also not considering the story at all they may not even know the story they're right. they're looking through reels for hot scenes for things they they think will attract attention and get people to want to see it and they, they may not even know the plot of the movie yeah well in some cases you know and and so there's been so many times where I've seen a trailer and it's misrepresented a movie or I've seen a trailer and it feels like I've seen the movie after that. Yeah. Or or that I've seen the trailer and there's a scene, a moment, a line that sticks in, in, in my mind like that was really funny or that's really cool. And then I watch the movie and that line is gone. Yeah, it's not even there. <laughs> and you're oh. waiting for it the entire time. You're kind of yeah. going, well, okay, so I know he can't be dead because this line's in the trailer – and so, you know, so you're working on information that uh, is exterior from right. 
right. from the product, and and it's and it's affecting you know w- w- escapism, right? Your escapism yeah. moment. You're like, this is my moment to to escape into something, and and so I really try to know as little as possible about like a lot of things. It's hard. It's so difficult in this day and age. Um, and then you know you've got your trolls and people who just love to spoil things. And why? Because they love to spoil things. They yeah. they love to have information that you don't have, and they love to to flaunt it. And uh, it's it's rude. And sometimes there are nice people that do this, but they they uh, are not uh, nice when that when when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, you, you've everybody has that friend that's like, "Hey, did you see this happen on Flash?" <laughs> it, it, it's warning. Yeah, it's it's the same person who is like, "Oh, I couldn't really, you know, wait. I can't wait until you know my Christmas presents. I couldn't wait till Christmas Day, so I had to open up my presents and rewrap yes. them when my parents weren't home." You yes. know, it's like, no, no, I can. I'm good. I can wait. You know. It's like I didn't need to see any footage of the Avengers Age of Ultron. I mean, right. you know, they, they, I knew there was going to be a sequel. knew that Joss Whedon was directing it. I knew that X, Y, and Z actors were going to be in it. And then I was like, I'm good. I'm, I don't, you don't need to show me a frame. And I will be there in the theater that weekend. Well, and that's I, – I said that. And I can't remember exactly – with Age of Ultron, I know there were a couple things that the trailer – uh, nothing was outright spoiled. Eh, I would. I, I didn't need to to see that there because I I remember talking to the family because we all went and saw it uh, on a on a Thursday when it came out, and I remember on the ride home saying, being irritated about the trailers and saying they didn't need to make trailers for that movie. All they had to do was pay for five seconds of ad time during the Super Bowl saying Avengers: Age of Ultron. Go see it in May. Yeah, and. And people would have gone to see it. It didn't matter. But uh, <laughs> remember that movie you loved a couple of years ago called right. The Avengers. We're doing well, another. There's one. another one coming. Um, Be there. I, I remember specifically the last time that I felt like a trailer really ruined a big moment was Iron Man three, uh, because I feel like when all of the suits showed up, or when they all started powering up uh, down in the storage unit. That would have been so crazy to see, not having any idea that it was going to happen. Hmm. And then to have them all showing up would have been like, holy shit. But the trailer showed everything. And I really feel like that moment would have been so powerful. Like, oh my gosh, this is what he's been doing. Look at that. Look at that. Like, and then the trailer gave it away. And, and that, that's the last one I got really irritated over. The last. The trailer that I uh, the most recently got annoyed with was uh, one for Gotham. Uh, it was for the. Um, it wasn't even for the se- It was for the series or season finale. First season finale. Have you seen it? Which is which is shockingly not the season finale or series, series finale. I know. <laughs> Actually, I like Gotham. I enjoy uh, it, I don't, but it's... I don't like it as much as Flash and and some no, of no. the other shows I watch. But I do enjoy it. So I enjoy it like um, uh, it's it's there's a certain amount of train wreck to and uh, <laughs> and uh, the um, well now that fish is dead I'm really looking forward to season two well Let's put now it that, that way. now that fish has fallen in the water <laughs> she's swimming with the fishes <laughs> um, the uh, I heard she's not going to be back next year though yeah. well and that that's the thing is they said that but who yeah, knows no. yeah that's I true. mean the 
I feel like those showrunners are the craziest people working in television. <laughs> I really, they're out of their fucking minds. I I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, we can talk a little bit more about that in a second, but yeah, I just yeah. want to get this point out real quick because in in and this is I, I'm I you know I really can't say I'm spoiling anything because if you saw any trailer uh, since it returned in May. Uh, cause they sort of, you know, they have those like kind of, you know, May season trailers, like this season on Gotham, you know, right. and they would show these on Fox almost like every few minutes and, uh, certainly leading up to the finale. Um, and one of the things they showed was young Bruce and Alfred finding some sort of hidden compartment <laughs> yes. in, in, uh, in the Wayne Manor. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And, Lo and behold, when I watched the finale, that's the last scene. Right. Um, it should be trailer making 101 that anything that involves the last, <laughs> the very last shot of anything, you do not put in a trailer. Right. That should be off the table. <laughs> because exactly. that was, you know, seeing it in the preview, you thought, oh, that's entry. Well, okay. My first thought was really seriously. <laughs> But but then once I got past that, because th- this is uh, – actually, that sums up my reaction to Gotham. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, that's probably your reaction to Gotham. Yes, everything that happens, I go, really? Seriously? And then I go, okay, Gotham, take me on your crazy train ride through, you know, insano Gotham continuity, because that's – I've talked about this before. I'm not sure if I've I've discussed it with you, but it's basically this is for me and Elseworlds. Oh, absolutely. And that's how I'm enjoying it. It, Well, to one degree or another, uh, is that it's just crazy madness. And I'm not even watching it for character development or anything. I'm watching it to see how insanely they can incorporate the next thing. But uh, but yeah, that that thing popped open, and I was like, oh well, that's interesting. And you sitting there, and you watch the finale, and like you said, it's the last scene, and you're like, really? You blew that because clearly it was intended to be a massive revelation. Well, okay, let's set that. I mean, let's look at that for just a brief second. It's not really that big of a like. It's not. It's it's kind of a lame way to end. Not, not the, in the, the context of Gotham's craziness. It's yeah, not that I mean, big a deal. You know, as as as. <laughs> Final shots go. It's not exactly, you know, got me hooked into, uh, you know, next season. Like, oh, I can't wait to see what's behind the fireplace. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what the makers chose to have as their last shot. And it just really makes me, you know, uh, somewhat incredulous that the marketing people said, yeah, let's take that last shot and use it in in the, uh, previews. Um, I, you went, you know, you just don't do that. You just never do that. I would think that's just bad form. Well, you know what we say, we know what's behind that sliding door, but looking at it in the context of the Gotham television show, we have no idea. There could be a, a secret villain headquarter. Ray Al Ghul could be down there. That could be where the league of assassins <laughs> are secretly located underneath Gotham and it could turn out that Thomas Wayne was Rachel Ghoul. <laughs> Good, yes. And also was the first Batman in an owl suit. In an owl suit <laughs> who was friends with the Silver Age Captain Marvel or something. I don't know. <laughs> there I mean it's really that's kind of 
that's kind of the delirious joy of the show is there's just no telling where anything's going to lead. Like you think, you know, Oh, this guy's going to be the Joker, but how many different spots over the course of that first season did they throw things in that could have been Joker? Well, and the beauty of that was is that that's what the producers said they were going to do. Yes. And and, and, and and I'm glad they stuck to that. Yeah. Um, because it's very, I mean, they are hammering us over the head with almost everybody else in his rogues gallery. Sure. Um, to the extent where I, I kind of roll my eyes, you know, every time they introduce somebody new, quote unquote, or, you know, from Bruce's, you know, from, you know, Batman's rogues, because I'm like, Really? I mean, is he going to meet anybody for the first time as Batman or, you <laughs> no. know, um, because that's the insano world that we're in. Are they all going to be 10 years older than him? Yes. Uh, you know, and that's, you know, that really doesn't speak very highly of the Dark Knight. Once he becomes Batman, you he's, think, oh, this guy's a kick ass fighter. It's like, no, he's fighting guys that are like in their 40s. Geriatrics. <laughs> that's why they're so easy to take down. Well, and that's why. I, I said uh, at one point, I think it was right after the, the season, or right when the season split, I said, you know what, at this rate, Jim Gordon's going to end up being Batman. <laughs> Which, well, why not? Sure. I mean, really, it, it Bruce funds him. They could do like a Batman Incorporated type of thing. <laughs> why not bring in Grant Morrison's crazy worldwide Batman syndicate? Let's do it, Gotham. I, you know what? I, I don't know what, yeah, I, I can't, I can't defend it. It's, 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 it's interesting. I, and, and I don't know if I would have had the patience for it if it wasn't, if I wasn't so invested in the bat universe anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I applaud them for certain things, having fun with them. And I still think the, you know, the actors and the characters on, uh, for the most part are pretty damn good. Um, yeah. The guy they got playing Gordon, I can't think of his name right now, but, I think he's really awesome. Him, I don't care for, but I love everybody else. Uh, Donald Logue yes. as, uh, and I was always on the fence with Logue. Like, really? I, yeah, there were times when he would show up in things, and I'd be like, Ugh, it's oh, like, I, I've, I've liked him since uh, Blade. Uh, no, no, that family comedy he was in. Oh, gotcha. Uh, that, I don't know if I remember that. I can't ever remember the name of it. Was a, it was a sitcom on probably Fox. And it's on Netflix now, but that's the first time I saw him, and I really liked him. He's the dad in it, uh, and it's a funny show. And then when he showed up, in, from there, he was one of those guys that every time he popped up in something like Blade, I'd be mm -hmm. like, hey, it's that guy. Like, I was always <laughs> happy to see him. Right. So seeing him in this as a recurring character, I was delighted, and he's perfect for Bullock. I mean, the way he that they've handled Bullock has been great. I guess because my introduction was right around the same time as Blade, and he seemed to go be have a like you know you get kind of cast. I get it. Yeah, and he just had this string of pathetic, wormy characters that he was playing. Right, and he was so good at it that it got to the point where every time I saw him, I'm like, oh, here comes that guy. Like you know. Yeah, yeah. You knew but, his arc as soon as you saw his face. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I you know, and it was more of a you know. Uh, really a statement against the characters that were showing up rather than, and it's casting of him, really. But you uh, can't than, help but relate no. when somebody plays the same thing, right? Uh, which we'll get into a little bit uh, when we start talking about Fury Road, because I've, I've got a, an interesting character thing with that, too. But yeah, when somebody does the same thing over and over again, you can't help but, but attach that to them. 
Yeah, yeah. But um, I will say I'm glad that uh, he did. I saw him on a series called um, oh, it was on BBC America and it was uh, it took place in the 1800s and in New York. And now I can't think of the name of it. Uh, but anyway, he played a uh, a uh, corrupt uh, police commissioner type uh, character. And he was so good that I just sort of jettisoned all my previous angst towards him. Right. Which I'm glad we had that moment before this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I don't know if I would have gone in. He probably still would have convinced me as uh, Bullock that he was the man for the gig. But I don't know if I would have been as convinced had I not just seen him in uh, whatever that show was. <laughs> that It's not on anymore. It only lasted, I think, a season or two. But, um, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, but uh, – and, you know, uh, I can't say enough good things about uh, – uh, is it Robin? Uh, that, uh, Robin? Robin Lord Taylor. Yeah. The star that, of the show. Really. Absolutely. I mean, his Penguin is – there's there's certain actors and certain that that you know uh, play certain characters in in things like this that will have an impact long after they're gone. Yes, and and this is that kind of performance. No matter what happens with Gotham, even if Gotham only lasted one season, his Penguin would have lasted. Would you would have seen his Penguin show up in some comic. Yeah. Uh, at, at some point uh, in the future. I guarantee we're going to see, you know, maybe not necessarily physically, but we're going to see aspects of this Penguin bleed into the comics. And he was a little inconsistent in the writing. Uh, I know they wanted to make him not completely confident, mm-hmm. but there were times when I think they took him too far as being inept and weak. Uh, and then they would like pull back and they'd be like, Oh, I think we did that. We better make him really strong and, and confident and, and smart in this one. And it was just this bounce, uh, effect that you didn't know what you were going to get from one week to another. And they would have said, yeah, that's what we wanted. But I'm saying, no, that you should have had that. It'll be a little bit more consistent. See, I, I agree with you in that he, he did kind of yo-yo around, but I took it as, him always being on top of the situation and behaving the way people expected him to behave. And there were probably some instances where it was inconsistent, but I, I always took his change of, of confidence or, or whatever as he's in this situation and he's got to play it super chicken shit weaselly until he really knows what's up. Oh, I see. So you're saying some of that was just an act, right? Exactly. And there I, probably I don't know if I was I don't know if I would buy that, but yeah, um, and and maybe not. But I <laughs> and that's the thing. And and again, that's a credit to the actor. Yeah, is that I was willing to give the character that because I liked the performance so much. God, God, he was so good. Uh, just uh, outstanding. He is a a treat to watch on that show, and that for no other reason. Well, um, and and to, and to think that he did own the show. I mean, he was not intended to be. You know, he was one of the main characters, but I would not say from the beginning that he was. I mean, he essentially ended up as the character that everybody wanted to see, everybody cared about, everybody was talking about, and I don't think that was the intention from the beginning. 
No, I mean the 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 finale focused all around him. Yes. So I mean that I don't know if they would have really. I don't know if they were if that was the plan from you know when they were writing that first episode. I doubt it. Yeah, I, I doubt it as well. But he he owned it, and that's that's a credit to him. Uh, so Gotham is pretty stupid, but also pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, and and obviously Flash and Arrow are different different entities, but fulfilling. It's just an exciting time to be a fan of of genre stuff on oh, television. Absolutely. absolutely, I mean, with Green Arrow and Flash and. Gotham and uh, the trailer for Supergirl looks outstanding. Looks out uh, looks outstanding. Sounds horrible. <laughs> well, I don't know. It it is that music is a nightmare. I don't I don't know if that's actually going to be the music that's in the show. No, I, so I'm I not think putting any faith in that because what they put up. I mean, that's not even really the trailer for it. That's like a sizzle right. reel. Yeah, so absolutely. They, they threw that in as a, we're going to fool network executives into thinking this is a teen drama. Yeah. And it's clearly is much more like Flash than it is like, you know, Dawson's Creek or something, even though it, it has those elements. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's a shame that, that Constantine was a casualty, but I think, you know, we all, even the, the, those of us who enjoyed it, have to admit that it wasn't as good as it could have been. And yeah, it, had it had they allowed been allowed to be as good as it could have been, uh, then maybe um, you know I'd be a little sadder if it was that it's gone. If it had been on uh, FX, that would have been ideal. Yeah, if they had really let them go crazy i mean they they made it too much in um, it's it's always there you know the studios like to have something that they can look at and go okay everything has to be a procedural you know so it's like okay you got a superhero that's fine it teams up with a cop they fight crime you know oh you've got a a guy who you know can see the future that's fine team up with a cop they solve they solve crime i mean that's that's the the formula that they're in completely and that's what Constantine kind of fell into, uh, oh, he's into the occult. Okay, that's great. You know, um, he, you know, Siles crime. Um, and it got, but instead of just being like a really weird, like the comic was, just a really weird thing with that was, you know, horrible, but yet you couldn't take your eyes off it and you didn't know what was going to happen um, and unpredictable with characters that you cared about. And that's, I mean, that's what it should have been, and it didn't come close to that. Although Matt Ryan did a hell of a job. Yes. Uh, I I can't imagine anybody better cast as John Constantine. No, he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm glad you, before we move on from television, I want to mention this. Uh, iZombie is fantastic. Absolutely it is. But... It's procedural. Then they really need to tone back on those elements because every time they get into that aspect of the show, I start nodding off. I I read the comic. I read the first few issues of the comic, and I loved it, but I was in one of my... I can't keep adding titles phases. And it was one of those things where I was like, this is really great, but man, I just can't add another regular title 
Yeah, I was I was getting it by trade, and uh, and 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 it's it's you know I like Alred's artwork anyway. Yeah. So that was a but I thought uh, Chris Robertson right. Uh, who created it and wrote it? Um, uh, did a great job, and but it's it's a lot more fantastic. I mean, uh, the character is uh, basically the same. I mean, she has the same abilities, but she also has a werewolf for a friend, a ghost for a friend, and a werewolf uh, terrier. Yeah, a werewolf terrier, a were terrier. <laughs> yes, um, and and I think the the big bad that they're up against is some sort of you know demon spawn thing but yeah yeah um so yeah i was kind of sad that they didn't you know that this wasn't rob thomas doing buffy uh but uh i do say that uh for what it is uh i find it very enjoyable and uh, i thought after you know the first few episodes it might get old as a procedural but i like the cast so much that it doesn't bother me yeah, I, even the cop. I I thought, man, when I first saw the first couple episodes, I thought, oh, that cop, man, I just don't get, care for him. But even I'm starting to warm up to him. The last few episodes have been kind of serious and kind of really dangerous with uh, going up against like the head zombie guy. Uh, so I'm I'm really digging that stuff. Yeah, I it's I like the overall story. I love the cast, mm. uh, particularly uh, major. Right, isn't that the boy, the ex, the ex's name? Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, he he's the guy that I thought I I was not going to like. <laughs> I was like, ah, that guy, hopefully that guy's not going to be around for more than a couple episodes. Then he's ended up being great, and now I'm actually worried they're going to kill him. <laughs> right. Uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it, but they seem to be doing a balancing act with the fun narrative zombie aspects and the procedural aspects and so far they've still got me but the procedural stuff when it gets super you know csi i'm just like i don't care but fortunately they've got the clever element of her you know taking on the properties of or uh sensibilities or whatever of of the victims right and and the fact Right, and the fact that she has access to brains that way without killing people, and uh, the guy that plays her boss is is awesome. Uh, yes. That's a great character and a, a, a good actor, funny, fun. Um, I, I just, uh, yeah, I so without that procedural that way, and I guess that's just what it's going to be now. There's going to be, uh, you know, it looks like there's going to be a little bit more going on than just that every week. And who knows? It could get to the point where they do discard that. I mean, I've seen that happen where shows had uh, kind of stuck to that formula in the beginning. But then once they were allowed to breathe after they had some ratings behind them and whatnot, they they kind of, you know, shed off that skin and, and came, you know, came into their own. So and that's kind of what I'm thinking is the second season, you know, we have no idea what the second season could be. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and it has been renewed. So Woo-hoo. so we uh, will find out. Um, I think that covers television. We definitely want to get into Fury Road before we run out of time here. Absolutely. And when we're if since we're talking about Fury Road, I want to start by absolutely thanking you uh, publicly and shouting it to the heavens because, uh, I was planning on see it th- th- that weekend anyway. So, uh, I knew I was going to go, but I, um, would have probably just seen it, um, uh, on a, on a normal flat screen, uh, right. just like any other movie. But after you saw it, 
um, and posted that, you know, I probably should have seen this in 3D. I was right. thinking, well, if Phantom's saying that, then maybe I should rethink that. So I, I did see it in 3D, and my God, it was yeah. brilliant. It really? was Yeah, it was... It was probably the most fun I've ever had at a 3D movie. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, I've seen some great stuff in 3D, but this, wow. I mean, it's just, there were times where I ducked, um, I moved, I dodged. (laughs) Um, There were uh, the depth of it. And I think because a lot, because George Miller is old school director. Mm Mm-hmm. And even though there was some CG used, uh, not a lot, not as much as, say, Avengers, sure, uh, or or a lot of other movies that come out these days, it was it, a lot of practical effects, a lot of real stunts, a lot of real cars, et cetera, et cetera. And I think shooting real tangible items in 3D, it just you know, was uh, uh, amazing to behold as opposed to CG things floating, um, you know. Um, I, I I think that probably had some effect on it. But in any case, um, that's not to take away from the rest of the movie because I'm sure even if I'd seen it in 2D, uh, I would have been equally as impressed. That is one hell of a ride. Well, it's interesting. I've been doing a lot because I, I – what is your history – with the franchise like how did you discover it and and what what do you feel about the prior movies um i saw the first uh sorry i saw the uh road warrior in the theater and um uh, i had i i had a little bit of chip on my shoulder because the ads uh, there was a quote in almost all the advertising in the newspaper yes newspapers uh, and uh <laughs> television ads that i'd seen for it that said uh the chase scene in the road warrior is better than the one in raiders of the lost ark and i'm like you're talking about raiders lost ark now (laughs) that's you don't you don't just do that you don't throw down the gauntlet like that sure so but um but i was intrigued and the look of it was pretty amazing so um i went and uh i was blown away by the road warrior that was really impressive and then like most of america I hadn't seen Mad Max. Yeah. Um, knew that it was a sequel because they pretty much, you know, with articles and papers and stuff like that uh, that I read and people talking to people, I mean, it was pretty uh, common knowledge that it was a sequel to a movie that nobody had seen. So <laughs> so uh, I know that they rebranded it um, uh, as The Road Warrior in the States. Uh, it's funny because I just watched the Blu-ray of The Road Warrior um, about, I don't know, Sometime last week, I just and, last night um, rewatched Road Warrior, Mad Max, the Shout Factory Blu-ray of Mad Max, which nice. I can't recommend highly enough. Absolutely. Obviously, because it's Shout Factory. Sure. Uh, and then Beyond Thunderdome as well. But wow. I haven't been, I haven't seen Beyond Thunderdome in a while. But um, uh, I I know that when I rewatched uh, in Blu-ray. Uh, um, I would love Shout Factory to get a hold of uh, Road Warrior too because yes. that deserves a better uh, addition. Let's yeah. put it that way. Um, even the cover art, just like well, it was cheap, so I mean, you know, I get what I pay for. I would it, love but, to. I would love to have the Mad Max Two cover art. Well, the uh, but the when I was put the movie in, I was very surprised to see that it, you know when the movie starts, it's called 
Mad Max Two. It's not called yeah. the Road Warrior yeah. in, on the on the Blu-ray. So, but anyway, um, so after the Road Warrior became a hit, uh, then uh, a lot of TV stations and and whatnot, you know, there was uh, you know the the campaign for Mad Max to see the original Mad Max movie. Uh, I think the tagline was "Find out what made Max so mad." So I can remember watching that. I think I watched that on TV. Now it might have been a pay per view channel. But I, wow. I seem to recall watching that on TV uh, for the first, like the first time I saw it. Oh, okay. And, uh, now, and but so you, but you saw it uncensored. Well, I saw it. Uh, I, I saw it uh, dubbed. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we all unfortunately saw it dubbed the first time. And uh, uh, I do hope that, you know, somebody takes all those dubbed prints and burns them because <laughs> there's no need for that. No, no, not uh, at all. <laughs> not in the least. Not even as a curiosity. Just just How get rid of them. As dumb as I feel like <laughs> corporate America thinks we are now... How dumb did they think we were back then that we oh, couldn't shit. even understand an Australian accent? Well, you know, you say that, but I know a lot of people who have seen, you know, when you, you ask about BBC America, it's like, oh, I can't watch anything over there because well, just I don't understand what they're saying. Yeah, and you're right. And then there was the whole thing with Capaldi. Yep. So yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, I'd like to be able to say, yeah, we're not that stupid, but Some you know, there there are people. It's just like when you see the labels on the the things that say like, "Do not throw the hair dryer in the tub." It's or, like, well, somebody must have done that. Or instructions on shampoo. Exactly. You're like, well, someone must need those. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. So I, I get it. Um, but yeah, so I saw Mad Max, uh, and it was dubbed, and and despite that, it was dubbed, and it might have been censored i to be honest i don't remember then um i i you know i enjoyed it and i was like oh now i understand it um and it, it you know obviously it's different uh it's a different movie than road warrior it's it's you know it's, a, it's it takes place in the future but it doesn't seem to be a post-apocalyptic one right it's almost like i'm thinking okay sometime between the mad max and road warrior there was a nuclear war well here's here's what i think (laughs) and and i haven't uh i i really am intrigued by this whole franchise more than i've ever been here's my my take on it just from having watched all the movies you know in the past several days i feel like there was a nuclear war before mad max but they're in australia so you know the united states is gone soviet union's gone maybe but Australia got some fallout, and it's fucked up the economy. But there, it's, you know, life is rough, but it's more or less, you know, it's not like there are mutants running around and stuff. Right, right. I I don't know. I To be honest, I haven't given it, like, extremely amount of thought to, to come up with some sort of scenario. Um, I, I kind of figured that maybe it was just a lack of budget that uh miller had at the time so sure, sure you know the more money that came in the more he was willing to to go really more and more extreme with it yeah. um to the point where i think that um beyond thunderdome is too extreme i think i think miller needed to dial it back just a bit um because i think it was it was too much it, i think there was a lot of great moments in beyond thunderdome i mean it gave us well it gave us two lines that despite you know, people calling it the weakest one of the trilogy, 
it gave us two memorable lines that people use almost on a daily basis. You know, Master Blaster. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, uh, two men enter, one man leaves, two men enter. Well, here's ha- having put so much thought, because this is, Fury Road is one of those things that hooked into my brain and has just got all my synapses firing in a way that nothing has probably since Pacific Rim. And maybe not even, I, I don't even know that Pacific Rim quite equaled what this has done to me. Here is my theory on that one, is that Fury Road happened before Thunderdome. Well, and that's possible. And although... I don't, and, and let me make it clear, I don't care. I don't want, <laughs> I don't want continuity for these movies. Right. I don't want them to feel beholden to a timeline or to events or anything else. I don't care if George Miller ever explains any of it. I'd prefer he didn't. But in my head right now, like I said, having having read some stuff and having watched all the movies, I feel like Fury Road is pre-Thunderdome. Well, and and that, you know, that's an interesting theory. Uh I will say that uh we reviewed this recently on the uh, Earth Station 1 podcast, which you can find at esopodcast.com. Ding. Um and uh, our guest, one of our guests, Mark Holmes, brought up a really good point in the fact that uh, M- uh, Max's uh, uh, vehicle, the uh, Interceptor, Interceptor yeah. uh, is utterly destroyed in the Road Warrior. Yes. And uh, so, um, and here it is in Fury Road, and he's got it again. And yes. it's kind of like, well, then, there's only supposed to be one of those made. No. They, so, in Road Warrior, uh, when he finds the uh, the refugee good guy people, the guy says, oh, you've got one of the last gate interceptors. So there are more than one out there. Hmm. According, According to Road Warrior. Okay. Well, as long as it's in-universe, then I guess that's okay. So, <laughs> and, because- and, and again... Who knows and who cares? Right. Well, you know what? We're nerds. I you know what? I don't care because if that's outside knowledge that there's only one of those made, then like that doesn't that shouldn't apply to in the movies because as far as I know, they're as common as you know uh, Tauruses are here. You know, it's like I I I don't know. Maybe everybody's got an interceptor. Well, I have here, no idea. I don't. Here, here's I didn't the, even know. Here's the thing: having watched these. Like I said last night in a marathon, in Mad Max, the guy, uh, the the basically the Q of the Mad Max world, is building the Interceptor. At the end of Mad Max, he drives into the wasteland in the Interceptor. In Road Warriors, or the Road Warrior, when Max encounters the, the good guy clan with, with the big truck, uh, the big tanker of gas... The head guy says, oh, you've got one of the V8 interceptors. There were only so many of these made. So, you know, and again, it's that shuffling. It's it's playing loose. It's like James Bond. Right. It's And, and I love that. I would I prefer that. Let my imagination have fun with it. You know, don't nail down a continuity because then you're limiting your narrative possibilities. Absolutely. And these are just stories. Yeah, you know, someone yeah. else was like, 
someone else was like, you know, if it is a reboot, is a continuation, is it a whatever, you know, it's like, I, I think it was, oh, I wish I could give them credit right now. And I want to say it was uh, Van Allen Plexico that said this, and I could be wrong. So I, I forgive me if I'm misquoting somebody, but they, they said this, the, the Mad Max franchise now is just like the James Bond franchise. Yeah. It's like they just replaced the actor. Um, it's the same character, but there's going to be some differences with how that is interpreted. And it's going to be kind of loose. I mean, just like the James Bond franchise, if you try to apply continuity to that 50 year. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. And which, which brings me to the point I was going to make before when we were talking about, uh, relating actors to the roles that they have played in the same way you relate characters to the actors that have played them. And I didn't realize until I watched Fury Road with Tom Hardy as Max, how much of Mel Gibson I attributed to Max because Mel Gibson, you know, say whatever crazy things he might say when he shouldn't say them. Mel Gibson's a charming guy. He didn't have such a long and lucrative career in Hollywood without being a charming, likable guy, uh, as far as the characters he portray- uh, portrayed. And if you've seen Bird on a Wire, if you've seen Lethal Weapon, if you've seen all of these movies where Gibson's this charismatic guy that you find compelling, that you want to follow his adventures for three or four movies... Uh, Bird on a Wire, maybe not the best example of a franchise, but you, you know what I'm saying. So over the years, all of those other characters that Gibson has portrayed have kind of melded into Max in my brain. Even though going back and watching, I realize now that Max has always been, aside from Mad Max, where his life is shattered. Uh, but in Road Warrior and Thunderdome, he's kind of this nihilistic guy that survival is really his only concern, and he doesn't even know why. He doesn't know why he wants to continue living. He just keeps going. And I, when I first watched Fury Road, I was sitting there like, I don't give a shit about Max. Tom Hardy's not giving me anything uh, yeah, I, I sympathize with him wanting to get away from these crazy underground mutants right at the beginning of the movie. But other than that, he's kind of a dick. <laughs> but as I thought more about it, I realized that Tom Hardy's Max is the purest representation of Max that I have seen. Because he doesn't have that cachet of L. Gibson's career attached to him. Because I first saw The Road Warrior on probably HBO or something when I was way too young to be seeing The Road Warrior. I didn't see Mad Max until years later, by which time I was already familiar enough with Mel Gibson to be like, I'm going to watch that because Mel Gibson's in it. And then Beyond Thunderdome, I saw, and I realized this last night, because when it pops up, it says, you know, uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, 1985. And I was like, 1985? I was nine years old. And you know what, Mike Gordon? My mom took me to see that in the theater <laughs> when I was nine years old. That movie is fucked up, dude. Uh, I don't, uh, and that one's not R, is it? 
It's PG-13. That's the only one that's not R, right? And, yeah, it's the only one that's not R. It's a shame, too. And, well... But it's a different kind of movie. Well, and the reason it's a different kind of movie is because George Miller's production partner passed away before they started filming. George Miller didn't even want to do the movie because the guy, I can't remember his name and I feel like a dick for that, but the guy that had, had done Mad Max and the Road Warrior with him passed away. So he didn't even want to do the third movie. If, if you notice, if you look at the credits, somebody co-directed Beyond Thunderdome with George Miller. And it has a different tone. It has a different feel. Uh, you know, they have, it's very, very, it's a product of, uh, the eighties and it's a product of George Miller basically not being as into it as he was with the other ones. And I'm not, that's not a condemnation of the quality because watching it again last night for the first time in I don't know how many years, uh, there's still I still don't like the things that I don't like. I don't like the kids. As soon as the kids show up, I I kind of checked out a little bit. But it's still a Mad Max movie, man. It's over the top. It's crazy. But it's a product. It's night. It came out in 1985, and you look at it and you go, "This movie came out in 1985." <laughs> there's no way around that. And I can't wait. I really hope we're gonna do a, a panel on it. In the classics track this year at Dragon Con. Oh yeah, because it's uh, totally it's anniversary, right? Absolutely, yeah. Thirty years. I, uh, yeah, but it would be a great time to do it. But j- just to just to bring that around, by then, by 1985, Mel Gibson was already Mel Gibson. I already knew who he was, um, and so every time over the last thirty years that I've watched any of the Mad Max movies, that Mel Gibson charm has been there. But now it's Tom Hardy, who I only really know as Bronson and Bane and whatever other character parts he's done in, like, Layer Cake or whatever else he's... Rock and Rolla, I think, maybe. Uh, I don't know Tom Hardy like I know Mel Gibson. So, for the first time, really, I'm seeing the character of Max much more as George Miller intended him to be. And it was very interesting. Well, here's my uh, sort of counterpoint to that, too, because uh, Rodor was the first time I saw Mel Gibson. Um, he was that was like his big, you know, he came out with Road Warrior and all of a sudden everybody in America was like, wow. Um, and instantly, you know, he came over and, and did very quite well for himself. Yes. Um, uh, and uh, I can tell you that. um I mean, he has the charm from the beginning. So um, his Max is a lot more charming. Uh, his Max fools you into thinking that he's this great hero guy. Um, <laughs> at, when I was and I bought into it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Watching Road Warrior now, I still love it, and the fact that I can enjoy it on a different uh, on a different level makes it even more special to me because, uh, you know, when you can watch movies that you watched in your youth but yet still enjoy them and it's you get a different experience out of it, that to me shows, you like, that movie is really special. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Road Warrior is like that too because now when I watch Road Warrior, um, I look at Max and I'm like, this guy is inept. He's, he's, he, he doesn't get anything done that he wants to get done. 
Um, he's being duped left and right. Yeah, he's a total um, patsy. He, yeah, he's he's like every time he goes out and tries to do something, he's unsuccessful. Like when he leaves the town, I'm going, where? You know, they're all like, stay and drive the bus for us or whatever. And he's like, no, I got to go. And I'm thinking, like, okay, do you have a plan? Like. He's kind of watching, you know, he's watching them all leave, like five teams leave. And every single one of those teams gets caught. And he yeah. sees it in his little um, binoculars. And uh, and yet he decides, like, I'm just going to go out and and, uh, and 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 I won't have any problem. And I'm like, really? I mean, even his dog gets, he can't even protect his dog. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, and, and I thought, okay, well, maybe... There's some moment that at the end when the tanker falls over and, you know, and the sand's drifting out of it and he, you know, he looks back there and he kind of realizes, like, I, I thought, well, maybe he knew that. Maybe he knew. No, no. But he, you know, and so I gave him even that much credit. I'm like, well, he knew, right? Because no. he just, so that's why he took the gig. <laughs> and then he goes back there and he's just like, you know, yeah. oh, they duped me. And I'm like. You didn't even know. Like, you, but, you, this was all riding on you. You acted like you were the shit. You know, you want to get out of here? Yeah, Talk yeah. to me, right? Yeah. And, and yet he fails to get the job done. But to his credit, spectacular when, fashion. When he realizes what's up, he just kind of laughs. Yeah. He He's just goes, like, eh, 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 life sucks. Exactly. <laughs> No, no, I gave him credit for that. But, um, and he's continuously needing to be rescued. Um, uh, you know, I, I I was watching this and I was going, man, Max, you are not a role model whatsoever. Uh, you are just a, a – but yet you can get away with it because Mel is so charming. Right. Um, and what's interesting about Fury Road, because that's what we're talking about now. Yes. Um, is Tom Hardy has none of that charm. Not not a drop. <laughs> now, Tom Hardy is one of, I think, one of the, the best actors around uh, these days. Uh, I have seen him. Uh, I, I can't remember. It is the first thing I really noticed him in was Black Hawk Down. Um, I think I, that's I, one of the first things he was in. I'm one of the few people who appreciated him in Star Trek Nemesis. Oh, stop. Um, Shinzon. I I dug it. Um wow. and uh later on um things like uh in- Inception. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then uh I you know Dark Knight Rises. Um uh there's a series called Peaky Blinders that he was on. Um and so one thing I've noticed about Tom though is that he is so good at what he does. I forget it's Tom Hardy. I completely get invested in the character. That's he, how it was with Bronson. I never felt that he was a leading guy, like a leading man that you would invest like a huge box office uh, bonanza put on their shoulders kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Studio must have felt that way, too, because they were like, um, can you get someone else? And how about Charlize Theron? Okay, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that worked out well for them. I love what yeah, George did. did with that. But... um. But so, in in Fury Road, true to form, yeah, Tom is not like you know he's not the guy that you're looking at all the time when he's on the screen. Like when with Mel, 
when he's on the screen, you're like, that's that's Mel Gibson. He might as well have the little like ting on his <laughs> on his smile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every time. Um, which is not to diminish his role as all, but I, but he does kind of like command the room. Yes. Um, whereas Tom kind of slinks back and surprises you, and he's so good. Um, and he and he just gives these performances that are like he's really into the character, and he just disappears inside the character. So it's a different kind of Max. Um, same result. I mean, he gets captured. He does this. He does that. You know, he's right. he's, he's, he's he's pretty much you know useless uh, it, it, to an extent. You know, he does he does come through. Um, he remembered the sequence to start the uh, war rig. It, yes, which he did. okay. Let me tell you, <laughs> I wouldn't. My one would big gripe. With this movie, and the fact that this is my big gripe is shows how fucking incredible the movie was. My one big gripe is that there wasn't a shot uh, where they sped up the frames and showed him hitting that sequence before taking off. I was flabbergasted because when they showed her, when they showed her telling him, um, one on one, two on two. One, two, one, three, or whatever it was. I was, as soon as she showed him that, I was like, oh, we're going to get a really cool shot of him, like, looking down, reaching, like, almost a Sam Raimi style shot. You know what I mean? Black do, Brock do. Right. Well, no, no, that, 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 uh, that really hard cut of, like, oh, right. click, 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 and then, like, a close up on his face, and then the engine going boom, and then it taking off. Like, I was totally expecting that sequence, and it didn't happen. Yeah, that Miller's was not- literally my only disappointment with the movie. Miller's not like that. He's like, you know, that's that's for amateur. <laughs> I'm just going to get on with it. You know? Miller's like, I'm 70 years old. I don't have time for that shit. <laughs> I ain't going to do a close-up on buttons. What are you, crazy? Right, right. Uh, let's just get on with it. Um, uh, it's already over two hours enough as <laughs> it is, right? <laughs> um, so the extended bonus version will have that i hope so um that said tom does a great job Uh, he's uh he you're right he's the max you know he might be not the max that we were used to but i mean he'll do and he does the job i did like the fact that uh you know uh he has that one moment in this where he you know he stops them and he says we need to go back yeah and i'm like i was thinking I was like, you know, if you'd seen all the movies that I've seen, you would just keep on going. <laughs> right. You would just drive to your doom. Because the number of you that are going to survive this onslaught, if any of you, are going to be <laughs> even less if you can believe it. Um, and that was, of course, true. But well, um, And, and uh, you, I mean, if you've watched these movies, you knew that at the end... Max would again be on his own and would again be, sure. you know, left in the desert or left on his own to travel somewhere or walking away from a good situation. But I was really shocked that essentially we got a happy ending. His uh, inter- interceptor is gone once again, though. Well, so. yes, yes, he can't <laughs> keep a car <laughs> or a dog. <laughs> yeah, well, or a monkey. Yeah, or a monkey. He had a monkey in uh, Thunderdome. That's right, he did. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, he can't. Yeah, he's he's worse than the Doctor with companions. <laughs> I would not hang around that guy, not at all. Um, 
but how good was the rest of this? Uh, uh, just like uh, the Road Warrior, this movie is a action thrill ride. You you pay your money, you sit in your seat, you click on the seatbelt, and you just go on a hell of a ride for two hours. Um, uh, one thing I really appreciate was that uh, George. You know, he may be 70, but he doesn't, this doesn't seem like a, it's coming from an old guy. This no. seems like, you know, cause it's got teeth, it's got edge, it's got darkness, it's got, it's got fucking rock and roll, and right? It's different from, I mean, this, this anything. almost looked like it could have been directed by Rob Zombie in parts of it. It's, it's, it felt like, it, it's so funny because it felt like a fresh young voice in Hollywood. It felt yeah. like a paradigm changer. Yeah. And what's really blown me away, like I said, I've been kind of kind of researching this and looking into it. They only use CGI in situations where they absolutely had to use CGI, like the sandstorm. Right. All of those vehicles were built and racing at seventy miles per hour through the desert with guys on crazy pendulum, you know, uh, stacks. Like those were dudes. Those weren't CGI people. Those were literally dudes on those pendulum things going back and forth, flying off to the side of the road. Like, yeah. all of the stunts were stunts. All of the vehicles were legit. They were built by... There's an excellent article on uh, jalopnik.com about the guy that built the vehicles. And he essentially said that George, you know... He, he had these ideas for the vehicles. The guy built them and they did what they were supposed to do. Like you look at that crazy, uh, double layer was a Cadillac Coupe de Ville or whatever mm -hmm. that, uh, Immortan Joe drives. Like they made that thing. The awesome tank that the, my favorite vehicle in the whole movie is <laughs> that tank that the bullet farm guy is driving. Sure. With the, uh, the, the muscle car body on top of the tank treads. That thing is amazing. I want a toy of it like you wouldn't believe. Uh, that's real. It's all real. The uh, the the vehicle with the uh, speakers and the guitar player. Yes. That was real. Like that, that guitar really played, really shot fire out yes. of it. Yes. It was, it was all real. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and it's just, it, and that's why I was saying in 3D, all that realness. It's not CG stuff that's coming at you. Right, it's, right. It's not, it's not a CD, uh, uh, it's not CGI depth. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's actual depth of, you know, vehicle after vehicle after person after person after guys flying over here and there doing crazy stunts. There's a couple, there's one scene in particular that's like, that might have been a little too much and I'll... I won't give that away because if anybody does see it in 3D, they'll kind of probably know what I'm talking about. But because um, uh, it's almost like a ha ha, this is this is for 3D people, um, you know, almost like a poke in the eye. But uh, there's but most of the other uh, everything else is just and, and such a, a, you know, I mean, obviously, George has one hell of a budget. Would have been interesting to see because I know he wanted to shoot this earlier with Mel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I could see Mel fitting into this to this in in some extent i don't I, i'd love to know how much it was changed because of tom uh but uh regardless it's still 
it's it's so beautiful and haunting at the same time uh just the images that uh that George comes up with and the uh the characters are all crazy but you you believe them uh they're not just stock characters that you don't care about when they die you go oh either you have two reactions you're like damn that person's dead or ha he got it you know well, like and you should feel that way what's so great is even in this one, even the most disgusting of the characters, which I would say is probably the War Boys, even those guys, there's a certain amount of sympathy because you realize that they've been raised in this world where a Morton Joe is a god. And they all they've received their entire lives is his gospel of entering Valhalla in the name of a Morton Joe. Yep. That's all they have. And, you know, it, it's, there's a certain amount of, well, I just did as I was told, but it's not, it goes beyond that. It's their life and their culture. I mean, that's, that's all they have. So there's a tragedy to it as well that is, is, you know, at the end when they return to the citadel, there's so much more than just now these people can have water. This is a change of an entire society. I mean, this is this because supposedly this takes 45 years from next Thursday. And, you know, we can assume that a Morton Joe has spent that 45 years building this corrupt, disgusting society. And now we've seen the end of it, the end of his reign. And that, like, it's so powerful at the end there to know that this woman, which I really hope we get the Furiosa, even if it's just an animated form, which was the plan to tell Charlize Theron, uh, the story of Charlize Theron's character, uh, there supposedly we're going to do an animated feature. And I would hope that at the very least they can do a home release like DC's animated films, you know? Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, because I, I would love to see her background. I would love to see more of this corrupt society that we saw crumble. But the fact that this this one person, because it's essentially, she's the main character of the movie. She's the one that has the character. Arc yes. And Max and, is just in well, there. Well, actually, you know what? I don't even, I wouldn't even say that. Imperator Furiosa is the main character of the movie, but I don't know that she even necessarily has an arc because from the moment we see her to the end of the movie, she has the same directives. She doesn't grow. She doesn't change, but she is the impetus for the movie. I would say the character with the most interesting arc is Nux, which is Nicholas Holt's war boy. Well, it's My true. gosh, I mean, she does. I mean, but she does have the arc where she has a goal and she obtains that goal. Yes. So, and it's, but she has to, and she, well, and, but she, you know, she tries to reach that goal and then she can't. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah. so she gets another goal and then she adapts. So, I mean, she does go through a lot, but you're right. I mean, Nux has the obvious one, but you know, in some ways I thought Nux's transformation was a little too quick, but. Um, I, I, you know, I get it, especially at that age, they can change pretty quickly, and, uh, and go from one, you know, the cult to another. Um, and, uh, but I do, you know, I had kind of had the chuckle at the symbolism a little bit, um, because, you know, George is if nothing, if not, you know, not subtle. Yes. Um, the fact that, you know, <laughs> a man uh, who creates a movie with a flame throwing guitar, I know, absolutely will never be called subtle. 
but the uh, the redhead goes back to the back of the, the the vehicle, you know, and she finds Nux like in the fetal position, and he's literally like born again, like like right, that's right. like like and that's all it took, like oh, boom, he's 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 a, he's a born again uh, wild boy. But I, I I liked it because he had been essentially taken to his lowest point as a war boy because he got hooked up to Max. Uh, because of whatever he'd been through before, which we don't know, but thankfully DC Comics uh, is going to fill us in on that. I think that issue actually comes out tomorrow. Um, Nux and a Morton Joe. It's a it's a prequel about those characters, and gotcha. I'm very, now I'm super excited to read it. Uh, I I strongly recommend you head to your local comic book shop and ask for a copy. Um, but we see Nux literally at his lowest point in this this insane society that he's lived his entire life in, never knowing anything else. And he is full on in, I want to ascend to Valhalla mode. That's all he knows. But then he gets out there and he sees these different people doing different things. He doesn't know what to make of it. Like I, I was really fascinated with him and it, what was so great. And again, I've got to give a lot of credit to Nicholas Holt. His character was so disgusting and so unlikable at the beginning, and I fucking cried when he bit it. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah. But I think anybody listening to this uh, is probably going to be aware that they're, they're spoilers, and we had a spoiler warning at the beginning. Um, but I, I seriously, I, I was there. There was uh, there was water action in the eyeballs because of you know. Yes, it was a little forced and rushed. But it was effective. Well, you're talking about a whole movie that uh, that you know takes place at like 90 miles an hour. Yes. So, so of course it's going everything's going to be a bit rushed. Yeah. You know they don't really have time for that. And you know the war boy's lifespan is probably not that. You know you don't see a lot of war men. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They were so, all young dudes because so, they're all. Uh, you know, you know, Joe gives old, him the the little like silver on the mouth, and and he goes off to to meet his fate, and uh, he screws up. And he pretty much, that's when Nux really dies. Yeah. And then he's, you know, then she finds him in a very moving scene, too, because give a lot of credit to them, uh, you know, to those characters, too, because you're, like, thinking, why doesn't she just, like, or she doesn't scream, she doesn't say, hey, there's one of them on here, she doesn't, like, kill him or anything like that. Instead, she tends to him and feels sorry for him and takes him in. It's, like, that's, like, amazingly uh, unexpected and yet feels right. All of the wives, all five of them, yes, were much more interesting characters than you would expect from that type of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were all strong. They all had charisma. Uh, the way that they reacted to to Max when he first showed up, the way that they handled themselves over the course of the movie, you know, they they all had strength. They weren't just these damsels in distress which which i'm not going to make as much of as a lot of the online community is but it was just you know i'm not i'm not going to go so far as to say oh it's a change in society and it's an important moment in the the history of feminism no it's just good storytelling it's just being interesting and not sticking to tropes absolutely i mean that's that's what i mean you can see it in the earlier miller movies too um particularly uh, road warrior i mean 
it, it's not for him. It's not about oh, you know, that's a female character, that's a male character, that's a whatever. Right. It's like I'm just going to make these interesting characters, um, and and they're they're going to have some depth to them, um, and because that's the only way you care about them, whether they're good or bad. Well, and also, this is a hard, messed up world, and damsels in distress are dead. True. They didn't make it. So that, I mean, that, that's how I feel he looks at things is, you know, what's, what's left over in this society is pretty tough. Like yeah. this is 45 years after whatever happened. The remnants, you know, good or evil are, are pretty hardy people. I mean, look at just the beginning of the movie. How absolutely insane is the line, don't get addicted to water? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> when he said that, I was like, what What does that even mean? I know. I what is this too, like, world? What? And that, And that's what it is. With that one single line, George Miller establishes what kind of fucked up world we're in. And what kind of power Joe has. Yes, Yes, and that's so much of this movie. My favorite thing in the world is showing rather than telling. And this movie for two hours shows. We don't get anybody standing around saying, well, back 45 years ago, and Morton Joe took over this giant mountain, and then he <laughs> dug a well into the ground and made water come up out of it. And then, like, it's all... Any, any exposition we get is over the course of natural conversation. No <laughs> yeah. character ever sits there and talks for five minutes about what's happening. Or you know what? The point is mute because, like, the guy's coming at me with everything he's got. Like, I don't really care right. why he's doing right. it. I just need to know how to get away. His motivation doesn't matter because right now his motivation is murder me. <laughs> exactly. Um, I got that message loud and clear. I can relate to that. Right. And, and that's really, I, I just, I love the, the fury of Fury Road. It's constant motion. There's no dumbing down of anything. You, you grab on and you go. There's no, well, wait, I didn't get what happened there. No, shut up. Go. Flamethrower. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just, he expects you to keep up with his material. And I love that. And it works. Absolutely. It's uh, it's a beauty to behold, and it's definitely one that I'm going to be rewatching over and over again because I uh, and I think it's just like the original uh, Mad uh, and I keep saying Mad Max, but like the original Ward, Road Warrior movie because that's the first one I started with, right? Um, and that one I think is the best one out of the three because um, for me Mad Max is good, but it's just a sort of origin story. Well, it which, is. It's a which, setup which we do and we don't need now. We, it was interesting that we did have somebody on our uh, podcast that had never seen any of the three Mad Max movies. Oh, wow. Yep. She's pretty young. What, and, was, her, uh, what was her reaction? And she loved the movie. Yeah. She absolutely did. She actually thanked us because uh, she wasn't going to see it. But because we had committed to her being on the show and, and reviewing it with us, she went out and saw it. And she was like, thank you, because I never – I probably would have seen it, but it would have been on – you know, DVD or whatever, sure, and I sure. probably would have been shooting myself going, I wish I'd seen this on the big screen. Um, and uh, and we said, well, we had some questions for her, like, did you understand, you know, Max's backstory at all? 
And she was like, not really. But it like, doesn't matter. No, she she is she I, she would like a, a little bit more knowledge about that, though. I think yeah. maybe in the beginning, you know, with the credits and everything, they could have explained a little bit more about, you know, he had a family. All you got to say is, like, he had a wife and kid. They died. Yeah, yeah. You know, and move on, because that's all you really need to know. But uh, they didn't, you know, because he was like, I don't, I didn't know who the girl was. It was just in his head. Was it yeah. like somebody he was protecting? Was it a sister? Was and it, you know, you know I wonder about that stuff, because... It really isn't necessary. Uh, the, the the weird flashback stuff that that's the one thing. And you know, having watched the other movies, I get it. But at the same time, I, I didn't need that. And I don't know that you know, to somebody who had not seen those, it was just like, what is this weird shit? And to me, who has seen them, I was like, well, I know that. I don't need him to seem crazy or whatever they're trying to do here. Yeah, well, they definitely made him crazier than he's ever been. Yes. Like, hearing voices and seeing visions and literally being, being haunted by his past. Um, I, I don't know if that was necessary, but by the same token, uh, because of uh, you know what Ashley went through, I would kind of think that they could have done a, a little bit better job at just saying... You know, like since in the beginning they did go through a bit that a bit of that anyway. They could have just said, you know, because even in the Road Warrior, you do get a flash of his yeah. family get run down. Yeah, and I'm like, could have at least gotten that. You know, like like that sort of. You know, you see it really briefly for a split second. You see something like that happen in the beginning of Fury Road, but it's so quick that uh, that yeah, I think Ashley could have used that. Um, uh, to help her at least associate more with Max. You know, I'll uh, say. But for everybody else, she was fine with. I'll say they should have gone one way or the other. They should have shown nothing, or they should have shown specifically what was going on with him. Yeah. I Because I think suggesting that he has issues isn't enough. You've either got to just throw him in there and see, well, this guy's a nihilist who just wants to survive. Or you show his motivation entirely, and they weren't clear either way. But you know what? Again, whatever, because flamethrowing guitar. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, to, to wrap it up, I, I think we've covered it pretty well. Obviously, oh, so we good. both love the movie. So good. And and I, I truly found it to be a milestone of Hollywood. Uh, I don't know that I trust the studios enough to believe that it's going to change uh, necessarily the paradigm of movies that we see, but at the very least, I think that this has given George Miller some serious juice. Uh, and and my my thought now is, man, what would his Justice League have been like? <laughs> well, it, you know, George does this very well. I mean, I, I like some of his other movies, but I must say, out of every movie that he's ever done, Road Warrior still uh, the first one for me, and now. Fury Road is is my second favorite, and I, with some more viewings, Fury Road might might surpass Road Warrior. I could see uh, that um, because yeah. you know, just like Road Warrior, if I keep going back to Fury Road and seeing this, this, and and looking at it from different perspectives and finding it, because it is a, it is it's not just a car chase movie. I mean, this is oh, not yeah. just. You know, it, it's it's very deep. It's got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of great characters. 
looks beautiful and is 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 horrific. I mean, God, Mel, be, uh, Max being used as a blood bag. It's just it's like the worst. Well, and the wives. <laughs> I mean, just thinking about the wives and you know they they. Uh, I'm not going to say they gloss over it because it's an ugly world and they make it very clear just how ugly everything is. But the fact that they're broodmares, they're they're his involuntary harem that are there to try and have healthy new people. Yep. Uh, The the fact that that two of them are pregnant with warlord babies... Right. Um, it, you know, it gives you enough that you go, oh, that's uh, pretty creepy. Yeah, that's it's it's horrible. But uh, it, yeah, it's powerful. It's visually just staggering. Nothing I've seen in the last decade compares to, to this. I, I mean, it's just as much as I loved Age of Ultron and I loved Age of Ultron. Uh, the the fact that this is what it is, it's all practical, it's all just pounding action. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I use the word crazy at least 8,000 times in describing this movie. Every person that I've run into uh, since I saw the movie, I've told them they have to go see this movie. I, I I read your blog review uh, the other day of it, and one thing that uh, you pointed out that I, I totally agree with, I totally understand where you're coming from, is that you compared watching this and the success of this movie to that of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. And they are two completely different movies, but they are both, because of the people behind them that made them, they are both... Uh, so much better than they deserve to be uh, because of what they are. Like, you wouldn't expect that they were going to be, you know, that you were going to think that they were going to be good. Right. But not visionary. Right, right. And and not game changers. And these are, these are both game changer kind of movies. And they're, they're you know, um, other movies can be fun, but these are, are more than that. Yeah, they, they they work on many levels. They have so many different elements that work together. They're not just action flicks. They're not just fantasy flicks. Uh, they're they're human. They're things. George, one of the things that I read, uh, George Miller wanted this movie, and I would imagine it's the same for all of his uh, all of the Mad Max franchise. But it was specifically attributed to this movie. He wants people to be able to watch this movie in from any language with no subtitles and that's powerful and i think he achieved that i don't think you need to understand the dialogue to appreciate this movie i bet you could watch it without dialogue and still yes get the message across and uh and that's that's very interesting that's wild and with this having happened, my thought is let's let George Miller do the next Ghost Rider. Um, that I would have no problem with that. <laughs> I would have no problem with that. Uh, so, uh, do you have any closing thoughts? We got to wrap this thing up. Uh, I, I think we've covered it pretty well. 
Absolutely. No, I mean, it's, I mean, you said it. I would recommend everybody see it. I would recommend everybody see it on the big screen. Certainly there's a lot of other movies that are coming out this year, and I don't know, I don't want Fury Road to kind of get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Uh, we've got Tomorrowland opening up this week, which is going to be a, a blocker uh, in a lot of ways. And because uh, I know that, you know, Fury Road didn't win its weekend. No. Uh, so. But I think the word of mouth is good on it. Um, yes. And uh, but it's R, so obviously it's gonna it has that going against it as far as a big blockbuster. But um, people should see it. They should see it on the big screen. And if they are into the three Ds, I have to I have to point that out because some people don't like the motion. They don't like the you know right. hurts their eyes and all that kind of stuff. Certainly not encouraging people to hurt themselves. But uh, it's worth it. <laughs> right. If you have to go through a little bit of pain. If you have uh, enjoyed 3D movies, yes. Uh, but are not necessarily going to see everything in 3D, see this one in 3D. But if you hate 3D, don't, don't do it. Cause yes. this will not change your mind. It's like Primus. If you were a Primus fan before, then you'll like this. But if you didn't like Primus, you still won't. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, um, so, yes, that's what I would have to say. Mike, thank you so much for coming on and talking about uh, nerd stuff all night. I appreciate it. Where can we find you online? Well, of course, you can find me on the ESO network. Uh, I do the ESO podcast once a week, and, of course, I do the Ear Station Who podcast when whenever that happens. Uh, we are about to record our 100th. I'm really excited about that. This Sunday. Of, of Ear Station Who, so that's going to be so fun. Can you believe it? We did 100 episodes of Is that. Is it 1 o'clock at TimeGate? I believe so. One o'clock Sunday at TimeGate at the Marriott Century Center, uh, just outside of uh, Atlanta. I guess inside the perimeter, though. Yes, absolutely. It's go to, just uh, yeah, it's just inside there. Yeah. Go to TimeGateCon.org to find all the information. But really, all you need to know is be there at one p.m. on Sunday for an unforgettable one hundredth episode of Earth Station Who with myself. Uh, Mike Gordon, Director Faber, and Jennifer Hartshorn. Yep, that is. Uh, it's going to be. It's going to be a blast, um, and that's going to be cool. So I'm looking forward to that. Also, um, you know, the Tiki Zombie stuff continues. I've got a, an actual CD of music yes. that's coming out pretty soon. It's uh, at the manufacturers now, and I should have copies. The CD release party is actually happening uh, on uh, June 6th. So I'll have more information about that on uh, my website and on Facebook, and you can just go to newlegendmike.com to find out all that stuff that I'm doing. Yeah, I'm so stoked about that CD, man, because you were you were pitching that to me after we recorded uh, after we recorded the next episode of the Needless Things <laughs> podcast. Uh, you were telling me about the Tiki Zombie CD, and I cannot wait to hear this thing. I'm super excited about it. I'm, I'm very uh, proud of it. Um, you and, should be. Uh, got some very great talent behind it. It's uh, it's it's fun. So uh, I, I can't wait for people to listen to it. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for dropping by uh, the Needless Things podcast once again. Good nerd talk, and uh, I'll see you Sunday. Absolutely. Man, I love talking to that guy. That was good, right? Uh, we've got a chemistry man. If if I have the fabled brother from another mother, it is Mike Gordon. And we don't, you know, we don't agree on everything, as you've heard on, on our many, many shows together. Uh, for, from between, you know, a couple of times he's been on Needless Things, and of course our work on Earth Station Who. We don't always agree. 
And I, I'm man enough to admit that when we don't agree, uh, typically I'm wrong. But Mike has this way of bringing me around. Uh, and sometimes we just leave it at we agree to disagree. That, that has happened. But there are a lot of times when Mike's kind of pulled me up out of the weeds and been like, no, no, look at it this way. And I've been like, oh, shit, look at that. You're right, son of a gun. So it's a good thing. It's, it's a great chemistry, and that was a great, great episode. Spur of the moment. We had... I, I hadn't planned on recording. This week was going to be a different thing that I'm kind of holding on to because there's an update happening. And originally that was going to be more of a round table, but there's some, some of the irregulars are in Vegas. Some are doing other things and it just ended up being me and Mike. And I knew me and Mike could carry a show. You know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a quantity guy. I'm a quality guy. And while I like it, I like our round tables. Uh, you know, I know when it's one-on-one works. That's why I like the interviews so much. They work. It's fun stuff. But anyway, that's all I've got for you. Remember, you can find Needless Things Podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher. You can stream it at needlessthingssite.com and at esopodcast.com. And be sure to come out to TimeGate if you're listening to this right now. And it is not yet Sunday, May 24th. You can still make it to the Marriott Century Center to see Earth Station Who's 100th episode recorded live. It's going to be a big deal. It's me. It's Director Faber of the ESO Network. It's Mike Gordon, Jennifer Hartshorn. I think we've got guests. I don't really know because I don't. That's not my bag. Uh, but we're going to be talking about the master, the most mostly most awesome of Doctor Who's villains. Except in the case of John Sim. Yeah, let's not talk about that. You guys, I want to end on a positive note. So I'm going to end by saying I can't choose between Anthony Ainley and Roger Delgado. I can't. I can't do it. And and you can't make me. Uh, So you guys go watch some master stories of Doctor Who. Report to TimeGate this Sunday. If you missed it, then you can go to esopodcast.com and find the 100th episode of Earth Station Who and listen to it. And just remember, I love you guys. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.